Broadcasting from the Prairie Sportsman Studios. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. <clears throat> We're not just a radio show anymore. Heck yeah. This is Sporting Journal Radio. That's right. I fish, I hunt, and always will. We're not just a radio show anymore. This is also available as a podcast and a video podcast. You can watch it on YouTube or listen to it on this radio station that you're tuned into. Thank you, radio station. Maybe you're listening on demand at sportingjournalradio.com or you've downloaded the podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. That's Dan Amundsen over there. Dan, how you doing? Good. My microphone was falling apart, but we're good now. Oh, this is a very professional podcast and yeah. radio show. Something like Hopefully that. that'll be the only technical difficulty we'll have today. It's the only one everyone else is going to know about. <laughs> Guarantee it. Now, I'll tell you what, Dan, you do a good job behind the scenes here. There's always something uh, to do. We have a lot of equipment. With there's Dave. always something to do in There's always something to do. Hot <laughs> Leroy. That's David Eckhart right over there. David, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. So we got three of us in the studio here. We got lights all over, cameras, a bunch of computers, TV monitors, and all that. It's uh, two dogs. A couple of dogs that are always tripping over and and cables and uh, unplugging stuff. So there's a lot to, lot to manage behind the scenes. And Dan, thank you for doing what you do. Got a big, sh- mighty big shoe for you this week. Anna V Outdoors. Shoe? Did you say be- shoe? I did. Hmm, mighty weird. big shoe. Mighty big shoe. You're a little young for that reference. I, I guess so. Because Anna- thought you just misspoke. No, that time I actually didn't. That was actually <laughs> was intentional. Weird. <laughs> Anna V Outdoors is joining us. Anna V's, uh, we had a great conversation with Anna V, actually, and uh, we're going to play it back for you during this week's show, and maybe even next week's show, depending on how things go. But we had a long conversation with her, ranging from uh, women in the outdoors to how she got started, to hunting copperheads, to, uh, you know, politics. What? in our current era and how important it is for you to get involved and know what's going on in Washington if we want to continue the hunting and fishing traditions that we have today and pass them on to further generations. So great conversation with Anna coming up a little bit. Also, Joe Henry will join us from Lake of the Woods Tourism. We'll get a fishing report and talk about how uh, Lake of the Woods provides you with more walleye opportunities uh, throughout the year, even though uh, some of the rest of the state will be shutting down here soon. And uh, Randon Olson is on the ice in Otter Tail Lakes Country. We'll get a report with him as well coming up in just a little bit. And Dan, who do we have to thank for this week's show? Thank you to On X, nor you stand with On X. Lake of the Woods Tourism. Lake of the Woods is the walleye capital of the world. Plan a trip for the wit this winter or this spring at Lake of the Woods MN.com. Live Target Match the Hatch at LiveTargetLures.com. Haybell Heights Campground and Resort. Book a trip to Devil's Lake. Learn more at haybellheights.com. Elclair Audio. Save your hearing in the field without sacrificing your hearing in the field. Learn more at elclairoutdoors.com. Minnesota Deer and Turkey Classic is March 10th through the 13th at Canterbury Park. Learn more at mndeerclassic.com. Riverbend Resort. Plan an ice fishing trip or spring rainy river fishing trip at riverbendresort.com. Ottertail Lakes Country. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. And Prairie Sportsman. We have a new episode this Sunday, but you can watch episodes in the meantime at the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel. That's right. You need to do that without taking a breath. Oh, man. That's a lot to get (laughs) through. I'm out of shape. Holy smokes. All right. So there has been a couple of things in the news lately that we want to address, and that's the potential increase in uh, fishing licenses in the state of Minnesota. Now, 
regardless of how I feel about it, I do want to mention a couple of things. A, I want to make sure that our fishing and our resources, and we have, we have some of the best fishing resources in, in the country here in Minnesota, and they need to be managed properly. They need to be funded properly. So I want to get that clear. And I also want to be clear that I do appreciate the user fee model. I don't necessarily want someone else to have to pay for something that they don't use. So I don't mind license fees going towards management of these outdoor activities. Now, what I do have an issue with is increasing license fees again, particularly in an era when we have a $17 billion surplus in this state right now. So some of that comes from other taxes and shouldn't necessarily go towards the, the natural resources. Although a number of those people that don't maybe go fishing potentially benefit from the tourism aspect of the fishing industry. Hunting and fishing generates billions of dollars in the state of Minnesota from residents that go hunting and fishing, uh, from residents that take a trip, say, to, to Lake of the Woods and stay at the resorts there and visit the grocery stores and go to the gas stations and go to the restaurants. That generates a lot of money and a lot of income for those people that may not buy fishing licenses, yet they are, they are directly benefiting from people that are buying fishing licenses. So do I feel like some money should go towards our natural resources from the general front and from the $17 billion surplus? Absolutely. So that being said, and Minnesota's taxed ridiculously, let's be <laughs> honest. They're taking so much of our money. We don't need them to be taking any more of it because the other thing that they're proposing, by the way, is increasing vehicle registration 160% on new vehicles. Minnesota already has some of the highest vehicle registration in the country. I mean, I, well, I, I, I lived in North Dakota and Wisconsin, so North Dakota was great when you needed to get your plates or your registration because it was pretty, pretty inexpensive, and you go to Minnesota, and it's just astronomical. So does it need to be increased 160%? Okay, I understand you have to increase things every so often, every couple of years. About 160% seems a bit aggressive. At least our beer's cheap. Yeah. Oh, wait. Gosh. A 30 rack of Bush Light in Illinois the other day at Walmart, by the way. And this is not 3-2 beer. Yeah, at least you can buy beer at Walmart in Minnesota. Oh, wait. Not not <laughs> real beer. 15, uh, 15.49 was a 30 rack in Illinois for uh, for 30 rack of Bush Light. So... Uh, Minnesota takes a lot of our money as it is. Now, before uh, some of these radio stations look at me like, hey, you're talking a lot of politics here on the show, we'll move on and we'll talk a little bit of fishing trivia right now to compare what other states charge for fishing, fishing licenses. So right now, ladies and gentlemen, some fishing trivia with David Uckhart and Dan Amundsen right here. How much does a resident annual fishing license in Minnesota cost? Is it A, $1 million? Yes. Is it B, $51? Is it C, $25? Or is it D, $15? This Not, is tricky because I don't buy just the fishing license. Yeah, I buy same. the sports license. I buy the combo as well. Hmm. But go $15. $15, David. How about you, Dan? $25. $25 is correct. $25 is the correct answer. Non-resident licenses are $51. They're proposing an increase to $30 for residents, so an increase of 5 bucks, and then $62 for non-residents. That is a potential increase. Now, $30 isn't really bad. It's really more of the principle that they're raising rates. They raised license fees the last time back in 2017. So in reality, that wasn't that long ago. 
And I'm guessing they looked at the pandemic and said, man, if we had five more dollars for all those people that bought fishing licenses during the pandemic, we'd be rich. They already are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got to stop talking before I get in trouble. It's also hard to get more people into the outdoors when you keep raising fees, too. That's something to think about. And again, I'm all for user fees versus taxing everyone, but maybe it's not time to raise fees again when, when you have this much money as a surplus. Now, according to Outdoor News, the uh, DNR split this new budget, this new proposed budget, between four categories, including connecting people to the outdoors, mitigating and adapting to climate change, managing natural resources proactively, and addressing the operational needs. The fishing license fee increase falls within the third section and would increase resident and non-resident licenses by 20 and 30% respectively. Our commissioner, I like, I like Commissioner Stroman, I like her, but she called this exciting twice when asked about these proposed increases in this new budget. She called it exciting twice. Now I get it, she's excited because she's gonna have a bunch of money to spend <laughs> and she's gonna be able to spend it on projects that probably do need funding. But if we need to take, it's like 280 million or something they're, they're trying to take out of this surplus as a one-time fee to pay for certain projects. Like they are taking some money from the surplus to pay for some of these outdoor related projects, which which I'm okay with. But if but if but maybe there needs to be some changes in the way we fund, I don't, I don't know. I, maybe there's some mismanagement and all these increases, do we need all these increases to pay for some of these other things or... I don't know. Again, it's only $5 and $12 or $11 for the license fees, but small pleasure crafts for boat registration, less than 17. So if you want to register your boat, that's your 16 footer, it's going to double. It's going to go up to 36 bucks from 18. Double? It's going to double. If you got a, a 17 to 19 foot boat, it's going to more than double, go from 27 to $59 annually. And then if you got a 19 footer, 19 to 26 feet, it's going from $45 a year to $113 a year. Whoa. So Whoa. what he said, <laughs> non-motorized watercraft longer than 10 feet will double from 1050 to $22 and sailboats up to 19 feet would go up to $23 from 1050. They're also going to double the amount collected to fight AIS. So I think you have to pay like 1050 or something for an AIS sticker now or something, don't you? They're going to they're going to increase that to 20 some dollars. Now they haven't increased watercraft registration fees since 2006. So potentially there was an increase needed. Well, uh, guess who's going to start registering their boat in a different state? Yeah. I mean, we've got some boat landings Good that need grief. work. There's no doubt there's some infrastructure that needs some work, but Holy smokes. Doubling that's, prices? That's Do we a, really need to increase everything by 100%? That is a pretty big increase. My gosh. Anyway, it's just proposed. Uh, legislative, the uh, legislators still need to sign all that in, so it may not happen. We'll see. But right after the election, all of a sudden, the governor comes out with, oh, we're going to raise every, all, the, all these taxes. It's perfect timing. Okay, anyway, back to it. Fishing licenses. Question number two in our trivia. Fishing licenses in North Dakota... A resident license is at A, $10, B, $30, C, $18, or D, 
Gosh, being North Dakota, I could see it being D actually, but I know it's not. <laughs> but it definitely could be. Um, was there an eighteen dollar option? There was. Yeah, I'm guessing it's that one. Yeah, same. It is eighteen dollars. Eighteen dollars is the correct answer for North Dakota resident license plus a one dollar certificate fee. What is that? Is that so when you print your license, you pay a dollar for that? I guess. So you could keep it on your phone and not pay that dollar? I mean, it's just another way for them to nickel and dime. Yeah, that's that's what you're seeing now. You're seeing uh, uh, certificates and different licenses to buy a license. That's just more ways for them to collect money. It's more ways for them to collect money and get around, I think, some of the laws regarding how you sell licenses and how you fund different things. They make you buy a different one, and then they can, they can, they can get away with it. Non-resident licenses in North Dakota are $48 plus a $2 certificate fee. So non-residents have to pay two bucks. Hmm. Question number three, fishing license costs in Wisconsin for residents. Is it $10, $30, $20, or one pound of cheese curds? Yes. I'm going to go with the cheese curds. Cheese curds. <laughs> it's got to be. Well, I don't know what a pound of cheese curds costs, but if you if you pay $20 for one pound of cheese curds, you'd be correct. $20 license in Wisconsin for I don't residents. get to play the game again. Oh, sorry. What were you going to guess, Dan? <laughs> well, I was going to logically think maybe $10 because I know that's a resident one day, I think. Or non-resident one day, but... Clearly, I'm wrong. So, yeah. anyways, move on. It's $20. <laughs> Non-residents pay $50 for an annual and license. But what I think is kind of neat about Wisconsin is they offer a first-time-ever license. So, if you have never fished before, if you I should take that back. If you've never purchased a license in Wisconsin as a resident, you can get a license for $5. Well, I think they fish. do that for non-residents, too, for hunting licenses, right? They do for hunting licenses and fishing licenses, yeah. and a non-resident first-time yeah. fishing license is twenty-five seventy-five. I don't know why they have the extra seventy-five cents on there. <laughs> a but cheese tax, <laughs> dairy tax. I don't know. Question number four: South Dakota fishing license costs is it ten dollars, thirty dollars, twenty-eight dollars, or free? This is resident. 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 Ten dollars. Read me the options one more time. Ten dollars. Thirty dollars. $28 or free? 28 It is $28, ladies and gentlemen. And that $28 fee includes a $6 surcharge mandated by state law. Money derived from this surcharge is dedicated to hunting access and wildlife damage management programs. So uh, I'd assume that's for like depredation and things like that, which is, is that, would that be uh, because of these lakes that are growing over farmland, basically? Would Probably, that have something yeah. to do with that? And then a non-resident fishing license in South Dakota is sixty-seven dollars plus a twenty-dollar habitat uh, and there's, stamp. There's your extra certificate yep. fee or whatever. Yep. So, I don't know what's right or wrong. Either way, I want to see our hunting and fishing traditions continue and funded adequately. I just don't always increase uh, agree with the increases. Um, so uh, take it, take it however you want to take it. And if you disagree with it, make sure you let your legislators know. And I'll tell you what. And if they're doing a good job. Make sure you let them know that, too. They don't hear that enough as well. It's easy to contact them. I've done it a few times lately. It's so easy to look up. It's a quick Google search. It's a quick email. And a lot of times, they'll get back to you, too. It's actually kind of been encouraging lately when I've been doing it. I get emails back that are not auto responses. So there's people listening. It's worth doing. It takes two minutes of your time. And uh, more people need to do it. I'm guilty. I need to do it more. We yeah, all need so to do, do it more. I don't do it enough. So not, well, do it. When we're going to talk about that with Anna V Outdoors here in just a little bit, how important it is to stay involved. And I know I criticized our government uh, quite a bit in this week's show, and I don't mean to always criticize. They've 
once in a while done a good thing, I guess, here and there. <laughs> absolutely, they have. We have, no, we have great fisheries uh, in this state. Absolutely. And, and hunting opportunities, but um, things could be better. We know yeah. that. Well, it's just like, it's just poor timing. Like, my yeah. gosh. Obviously, they did it after the election because they knew they could. And then, B, to have a $17 billion surplus and to ask for ask for more money and raise a bunch of rates, it just, the, it just doesn't look good. You know, you're not going to be... You're not going to be a popular politician when you do stuff like that. So in any case, that's our opinion on it. We're going to talk more about this with Anna V Outdoors and how as outdoors people, we like to just go outdoors and, and do our thing, man. Live off the land, whatever. Be uh, be away from be away from politics and people and the 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 daily riffraff. Well, just the, like the daily problems that the world presents, right? Like you can get out in the, into nature and just forget everything and escape and go fishing or go hunting or whatever it is. But it's important to know what is happening with uh, our laws and regulations in this world. And then if you don't agree with it, it's important to do, you know, exercise your, your right to vote and to do the right thing and tell people, tell your, tell the people that you elected that this is what you want. Because that's the only way to ensure a future that whoever is watching and listening to this is probably going to enjoy. One that protects our outdoor hunting and fishing traditions. All right, that's enough from us. we got some fishing reports coming up with Joe Henry, also Randon Olson, and Anna V. Outdoors on the way. Kodiak, a North American waterfowl film, is coming to the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. I've been a sea duck hunter for about 30 seconds, and I've already got one that's probably going to go on the wall, so this is the coolest duck hunt I've ever been on. Presented by Boss Shot Shells, with support from Sitka and Beretta, and additional support from Alclair Outdoors, High Prairie Animal Arts, and the Association of Great Lakes Outdoor Riders. Watch Kodiak on the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. Don't miss the 2022 Minnesota Deer and Turkey Classic at its new location at Canterbury Park in Shakopee, March 11th through the 13th. This year's classic features top hunting celebrities like Driven TV's Pat Nicole Reeve, Lee and Tiffany Lakoski of The Crush TV, and Melissa Bachman. Get your antlers scored, view more than 300 antler entries, and see the latest hunting products, plus a great lineup of lodges and outfitters. For complete details on the 2022 Deer and Turkey Classic, visit mndeerclassic.com. All right, this is Sporting Journal Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thank you for tuning in on the network on this station right here by demand, sportingjournalradio.com. Maybe you downloaded the podcast or you're watching this on YouTube. Thank you very much. Uh, Dan Amundsen is over there. David Eckhart is over there. And Joe Henry joins us from Lake of the Woods Tourism. Joe, how you doing? Hey, gentlemen. I'm doing great. How are you guys? Welcome back to the show once again, Joe. And it's that time of year where ice fishing i'm not going to say ice fishing is winding down because obviously we still have a lot of winter left uh but things are going to start changing walleyes are going to close for the uh, a good portion of the state here soon people are going to start transitioning and into some other activities unless they're up at lake of the woods i don't want you uh, i don't want you to mimic mimic the uh the twin cities news stations and oh please you know, oftentimes what they'll do they'll, they'll report that you know uh, uh fishing for walleyes and pike you know, it's going to start closing here at the end of February, and fish houses have to be off the ice. And that is true for certain parts of Minnesota. But, you know, with Lake of the Woods, because we're border water with Canada, we enjoy that extended season of, you know, our fish houses can be overnight on the ice through March 31st. And, of course, our, our walleye and sauger season goes through April 14th, and our pike season never closes. So we actually have, you know, and Mother Nature will dictate, but we actually have a nice uh, – you know, nice run of ice fishing yet. Kind of a little extra bonus season. And tell you what, 
you know, uh, second half of February and March, whatever part of March you fish, that could be some of the best darn fishing ever. I mean, days are getting longer. You know, uh, uh, in some cases, some water will start rolling into the lake. And, you know, all these different things instinctively trigger these fish to start putting on the feed bag because the spawn is coming up. And uh, in addition to that, I mean, these pike, you know, pike normally don't school, but they get congregated because they start getting adjacent to their spawning area. They call it pre-spawn. So they start getting adjacent to the responding areas. Well, now you got a larger number of big pike in a smaller area. And of course, that's why people get so jacked up about, you know, tip up fishing for pike up at Lake of the Woods in March. So, Joe, and then a lot of people head up to the Rainy River as things open up. It's a catch and release on the Rainy. When does that, when do those effects, uh, those regulations go into effect? Yeah, so what it is, it's, it's uh, uh, on Four Mile Bay, which is the, the bay that is the mouth of the Rainy River going into Lake of the Woods. Four Mile Bay and the Rainy River starting March 1st is a catch and release only for walleyes and stoggers. And that the, the reason for that is that's kind of the start of some of those fish will start entering the river to do their, their spawning ritual. And, you know, we're into the spring season now, which the spring season goes through April 14th, and that's catch and release only. Which a lot of the, a lot of times people are just going up there to catch those big trophy fish anyway. And as we learned last year during our tournament, if you want to keep a fish to eat, you just catch a sucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know what? Uh, Again, it just goes to show, though, that, you know, uh, if you're creative, you can take a, a fish out of a really cold water, like a sucker, and prepare it the right way. And my goodness, it actually tasted good. It tasted great. And I know, David, didn't you eat a che- the cheek or something? I did, yeah. yeah. Uh, cheek, snout. 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 Yeah. Oh, yeah, the snout. <laughs> I almost gagged when I ate it. But once I ate it, it got over the fact that I was eating the fish's face it was good. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see a video of that on our youtube channel as a matter of fact check out the sjr 500 what did we name that uh, uh, rainy river fishing tips in a snowstorm i believe yeah, that's right check it, it out on the sporting journal radio youtube channel yep yep all right very good and and honestly i think uh as more and more people get into fishing for other species like uh you know sheephead or white bass things like that people are going to realize that a lot of those other fish are pretty good to eat as well too you might have to get around some bones or you know maybe smoke a fish here and there but uh you treat it right and you can make it taste delicious and joe if people want to plan a trip to lake of the woods before winter ends or that during that extended season or maybe start to think about the rainy river what should they do you know check out our website and that is lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Come ice fish the famous waters of Minnesota's Lake of the Woods, the walleye capital of the world. Experience full-service resorts featuring heated fish houses, ice transportation, meal plans, and sleeper house options. From the northwest angle to the south shore, Rainy River and Baudette, the Midwest's number one ice fishing destination. Walleye, sauger, perch, and northern pike, Minnesota's Lake of the Woods, best fishing anywhere. For more information, log on to LakeOfTheWoodsMN.com. Live Target, the leader in Match the Hatch, is back with new lures that also match the action. Introducing the Live Craw. The Live Craw is irresistible to bass, walleye, and other freshwater species. FTEX winner, the ultimate frog, looks and acts just like a swimming frog. With an exposed ultra point mustad hook and replaceable legs, the ultimate frog has two styles, two sizes, and eight colors. And ICAST and FTEX winner, the Live Shrimp, mimics a fleeing shrimp for saltwater anglers. Coming soon from Live Target.
It's ice fishing season and time to plan your trip to Riverbend Resort on Lake of the Woods. Stay at the Lakeside Resort along the Rainy River in one of their new cabins and enjoy delicious meals and hot or cold beverages in the Miles Lab Bar and Grill. Or stay in one of their comfortable sleeper houses on the ice complete with a TV, stove, and lots of walleyes right beneath your feet. You also have the option of staying at their motel, the Walleye Inn, located in Bidet. Book your ice fishing trip to famous Lake of the Woods today at riverbendresort.com. That's riverbendresort.com. All right, this is Sporting Journal Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thank you for tuning in on the network by demand, sportingjournalradio.com, or maybe you're watching this on YouTube. Thank you very much. Dan Amundsen and David Eckhart with us here in studio, and Randon Olson joins us. You know, we some people are listening to this at like 6 a.m. on Saturday mornings or Sunday mornings. We record this during the week, so it's during the day. So uh, sometimes we're fishing, sometimes we're eating pizza, sometimes we're doing different things. Uh, I love it, though, when we're fishing, when, when when either we're fishing or someone is fishing on the show right now, and random is random. <laughs> random is out there on some random lake in Ottertail Lakes country right now. The sun is shining, beautiful blue sky behind him. Random, how's it going? You know, it's going pretty good. I've... Uh... I've been sick the last couple of days, so I'm trying to catch a tulipy. Because legend has it, if you lick the tulipy, it'll cure any ailment you might have. So, I'm, tr- it, I'm I'm trying to shoot for that right now. Is that a thing? I've never heard that before. <laughs> you know what? I never have either until I said it. But I'm pretty sure. They got to start somewhere. I'm going with it. That's going to be the new slogan of the show here. I like it. Lick a tulipy, feel better. Is that like those toads that you lick? Gosh, see, that's supposed to be my face right here. I'm struggling today. Uh, I mean, that's all right, lick Dan. A, lick a tulipy. Right <laughs> We've been having some technical difficulties on the show today, but uh, how's fi- hopefully your fishing is better than uh, our camera gear today. Yeah, fishing's been really good up here. Um, you know, I would say... Uh, for almost everything. The walleye bite is still kind of that midwinter blue stuff for walleyes. Um, you can have a good night walleye fishing, but you're going to work for them for sure. Um, but everything else has been kicking into high gear. And this warm weather is kind of, it's kind of given us like a full spring, so to speak. It's putting oxygen back into the water. Um, so we're seeing a lot of fish rising up and showing up in those weed beds. Um, the bug hatches are going. So the fishing's been really good lately. I was wondering about that. Uh, we've been hearing different things about bug hatches. You've been seeing that up there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had a really big one about a week and a half ago, um, and we still kind of got one going a little bit now, but for the most part, it's kind of tailing off. But uh, bug hatches are not bad in the winter. You know, they can be a little tough in the summer, but in the winter, it, it's game on. So do you change any sort of technique when you have a bug hatch? Yeah, one thing I would really do a lot of is is – I'll go a lot to plastics because you're imitating the bugs way better with plastics. You know, you can imitate exactly what's down there, what kind of bugs are down there. Um, one other thing I like to do a lot with bug hatches is, is I go back to the old leadhead jig. Um, that fall rate on the older style leadhead jigs is way slower, and it just imitates the bugs way better. The tungsten's actually too fast of a drop. Um, Interesting. So going back to the that is an interesting thing. That is something new I haven't heard of before. Huh. So, and then, okay, do you have a particular plastic that you like to use then? Yeah, Northland makes a bunch of really good ones, the impulse plastics. Um, they got a bunch of different varieties, so you kind of got to use a combination, you know, use an underwater camera to kind of see what they look like underwater, what kind of bugs you got going on, and then just try to match it the best you can. 
So, and then in your jigging cadence, do you try, do you try to do something different to try to match what the bugs are doing somehow? Yeah. And that's, that's a big part of where your underwater camera comes in. Cause you can really watch how these bugs just live. You know what I'm saying? Um, so you can watch how they react down there, what those bugs are doing in, in natural. And then you can just mimic that as, as with your jigging cadence. Um, a lot of times, you know, it's not that kind of typical jig, 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 jig and settle. You know, if you ever watch bugs underwater, they kind of, they'll jump and sit yeah. still. Jump right. and sit still. Um, and that's what you're trying to imitate. Yeah, it's crazy. And they, yeah, they kind of jump kind of sideways and then you'll see that go across the camera. That's kind of wild. Yeah. So do you have a, um, do, will you try to go to a, a fairly small lead head jig then? Or does it depend on, you know, how deep you're fishing or if there's any current, obviously? Yeah, we don't get much for current in our lakes, um, too much. Um, but generally, if I have to drop down to the old style lead heads, I'll go really, really, really small with it. Um, to the point where, you know, a lot of times this time of year, I'm fishing that 15 to 20 foot kind of those bases. Um, and a lot of times it'll take you longer to get that jig down there than it will to catch a fish. Um, but that's kind of what you're looking for, that really weightless presentation. Um, and that you just can't do that with the tungstens. They're just too big. Uh, we've heard from two different people in the last couple of weeks about fishing uh, deeper, you know, 20, 30 feet of water, and then catching, uh, well, they both ended up being about 19-inch walleyes, uh, catching them up in the top third of the water column, so 8 to 10 feet down from the ice. Have you seen suspended walleyes up like that yourself? For sure. Uh, yeah, we'll see them, you know, as soon as probably end of January, you'll start to see some fish doing that. Um, you got to remember one thing about winter that's completely different about summer is the water is a uniform temperature in the winter, um, whereas the summer, the water temps dictate where those bait fish go through the water column. So in the winter, that's all out the window because it's all the same temperature. So you got to kind of, you got to start watching for that winter fish literally be anywhere in that water column. I'm so jealous watching them sit outside in a vest, like a vest and a hoodie. And blue jeans. Like. Blue, yeah. No, no ice fishing gear. It looks just perfect out there right now, Randon. There's no wind. My truck says it's 41 degrees. I don't know if I quite believe that, but it's it's not far off of that. Wow. I'm so ready for spring. Just imagine if we were in a boat. <laughs> Dan is done with ice fishing, like done with I'm it. done with ice fishing when it starts. <laughs> like, let's get in a boat and go. Oh, man. Uh, so you're tulipy fishing, and that's another thing we've been talking about a lot, quite a bit lately is targeting other species, and more and more of these rough species are beginning uh, They're beginning to be more popular with uh, people targeting them, even guiding. I know you do some guiding for tulipies out there. Are you a tulipy guy or a tulipy guy? Tulipy. 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 I don't um, know if that's or not, but that's just the way I I don't know if that's an age thing or a geographical. I feel like if you're in northern Minnesota, they're tulipies, or if you're uh, the rest of the states, they're they're tulipies. But um, do you target them in deeper water, and then do you will you use the entire water column, or do you you know how do you fish for tulipies? So generally, you know, just quickly, a tulipy they they spawn in the fall. Um, so in the fall, they're up real shallow. Usually, right when that first ice is happening, that's when they're spawning. Um, and they'll kind of disperse out after that. And realistically, right at first ice, you can go into the deep holes and catch some of these fish. They won't really pile into these deep holes until probably early February. Um, but you can catch them all year long. You know, a lot of people wait till March, and you don't have to wait till March. These fish are in here 
basically all winter. Um, generally, we see a bug hatch right about this time of year. That'll kind of spread those fish out a little bit because they're bug eaters. That's all they're eating. Um, and then once this bug hatch starts to wane off, the majority of those fish will kind of funnel into these deep holes, and you can just pick a hole, and you'll catch them throughout the entire day. Uh, but your, your kind of prime times are about an hour after the sun comes up, and then about two hours before the sun goes down. Those are kind of the peak times of the day for community. Now, are you catching and releasing them, or are you keeping a couple to smoke? I'm not a big fan of smoked fish. I just like to catch them. They're, if you've never caught tulipies, it's a blast. You know, it's kind of freshwater lake trout. They're kind of We don't have lake trout right around our area, so it's our lake trout, so to speak. You know, um, we're fishing them in... Right now I'm in 70, 76 foot of water, um, and those fish can be anywhere from an inch underneath the ice to 76 foot down. So you're constantly chasing and running these fish down and, and trying to get them to eat. So they're a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't, and I don't know how closely related to trout they are, but, man, they sure seem like one to me. I mean, even from the consistency of the meat to the flavor to the way, uh, you know, you can prepare them and eat them, even to their aggressive nature, too. They are very similar to trout. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're a lot of fun. And then, um, so how are you going to be guiding? So you'll still guide, say, crappies and walleyes uh, until walleyes close up. And then you'll do some, maybe some uh, panfish and tulipy guiding uh, in March? Oh, yeah. Yep. We'll uh, we'll run until the ice is gone, you know. Um, one thing I've been trying to get guys to do is just experience what tulipy fishing can be. It's, it's such a fun way to do it, and it's something different. You know, those sunfish and that, you can get on them pretty much throughout the whole day. So you might as well spend your first hour or so in the morning chasing a tulipy around, see if you like it. They stink a little bit, but that's, oh, that's yeah, just... whatever. All fish do a little bit. Do they, right. now, are, are you seeing, you have whitefish mixed in, or is it all tulipies? We're straight tulipies here. Um, and the only real difference is, is the size is a little bit bigger on whitefish, but their mouth is, is a little farther underneath their head, whereas a tulipy, it's a little more straight out the front of their head. Um, but aggression-wise, depth-wise, they're kind of all the same. Yeah. Um, fish the same areas and stuff like that. You just get a little bigger size with the whitefish. Fun fish to catch. The uh, the old tug is a drug, right? doesn't always matter what's on the other end of the line. Unless you're trying to catch dinner, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Uh, just get something tugging on there. All right, Randon. Well, if, if people want to get fishing with you yet this winter or start planning an open water trip or uh, maybe some musky fishing, which you'll be able to watch a musky episode uh, with Dan and I, Randon, coming up soon on Prairie Sportsman. Watch for that episode uh, that we filmed last fall coming up on the new season of Prairie Sportsman here soon. How can they reach you, Randon? You know, the best way to reach me is just give me a call at 218-640-0158. Otherwise, you can reach out on Facebook or on our website at uh, www.lockjawguideservice.com. Say that one. Say your website one more time for us. Uh, lockjawguideservice.com. Lockjawguideservice.com. There you go. And if you want to learn more about Otter Tail Lakes Country, go to ottertaillakescountry.com. Randon Olson, thanks for the time today on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. 852 million acres of public land, 147 million private properties, all in the palm of your hand. The number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. Looking for winter adventure? 
might as well pick a place with over 1,000 lakes. Ottertail County, Minnesota is in the middle of everywhere, offers a simpler pace, and has something for everyone. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. Ice fishing season is here. This winter, plan a trip to Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Not only will you have the chance to catch their legendary perch, but this year, Haybale Heights has been catching big walleye after big walleye. And they're doing it from a mobile, comfortable snow bear. No matter how cold it is outside, you're warm and toasty on the inside. Learn more and book a trip today at haybaleheights.com. That's haybaleheights.com. All right, welcome back to Sporting Journal Radio. My name is Brett Amundsen. Thank you for tuning in on this station right here on the network by listening on demand at sportingjournalradio.com, by downloading wherever you get your favorite podcasts, or maybe you're watching this on YouTube. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. We'd love to hear from you too. Comment below anything that you hear in this interview. If you have any comments, questions, suggestions, make sure you comment below and like this and share it with your friends as well. Uh, that's Dan Amundsen sitting right over there. Dan, how you doing? Hey, still doing good. Oh, good. That's good. I'm bored yet. <laughs> David Eckhart right over there. And uh, we're joined right now by somebody I met a few years ago at Pheasant Fest. I think Bob St. Pierre introduced us, and uh, I've seen her on social media from afar here and there and uh, had a chance to talk with her a little bit lately and wanted to bring her on the show to talk about everything that she does. It's Anna V. Anna V. Outdoors Jones joins us right now. Anna, how are you doing? Hey, guys. So you are uh, you sound a little bit further south in the country than we are up here in Minnesota. <laughs> I'd say so. Yeah, I'm back in Georgia. Georgia. All right. Is that where you're from? Georgia? It is. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. Where what uh what do you like about living in Georgia? Hmm. The winters right now. I'm not dodging <laughs> any blizzards. <laughs> do you get any snow down there at all? Um, if we do, it's three to four inches max and it's gone in twenty four hours. And it shuts down the whole state. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's what I okay, was gonna say. That's n- that, I mean, we're not incompetent. We're just <laughs> not always prepared for that. But, but you know, yeah. our nightmare is ice. Hmm. If we just got snow, it would be great. But I'm in the foothills of the Appalachian. So the Appalachian Trail starts about 20 minutes from my house. Okay. That's not very fun when everything's covered in ice, yeah. you know, to be on these hills. So that's, that's our main problem. So I don't, I was going to just going to ask you what part of the state or, or what you have around you. Cause I, I don't think I've ever been to Georgia. I don't think I've even, you know, been through the Atlanta airport on a layover. That's all I've seen. It's pretty been special. To the airport? Then I would say you've seen the worst part of it. I agree. <laughs> I drove through Atlanta in rush hour and it was wall to wall cars for eight lanes. That's gotta be worse than the it airport. It was awful. Yeah. It was. So yeah. you grew up around the mountains then, spending time in the mountains? I did, and um, I lived just across the county line of where I grew up. So as as all the people are headed north of, of Atlanta, we just keep moving a little further north, too. <laughs> sure. <laughs> what, so what do you do? Like, what kind of, uh, what kind of activity, you know, do you, do you hunt up in the mountains? What do you do there, and what do you chase around, and how do you not uh, get bit by snakes or stuff like that? Oh, uh, God. Okay, so snakes is probably my least favorite thing of being here in Georgia, and why I loved being in the Midwest and then up in Wisconsin, because it's nothing like what we have here. Um, I've just talked one of my closest friends into painting again, and 
so we were out taking photographs of my dogs out by the creek. I don't know, it was probably like three weeks ago, and I shot a copperhead right out there. I mean, oh boy, it's January and they're still out. I mean, granted, they're slow, but you just gotta watch where you where you walk and kill them all with I fire. I don't like any of them. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, I live in Chippewas. Chippewas. Um, if I go out past the backyard, which I've got three ponds right here in the backyard, so uh, you stop to watch where you're going. But yeah, I'd like you just live in snake boots and cutoffs. I mean, I don't know, <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> Man, and like like snakes in general don't bother me. It's the ones that can kill you. you know? Yeah, <laughs> the poisonous so, ones. Yeah, things that kill you kind of suck. Yeah, I'm not a fan. <laughs> what about what well, else? I, I mean, I'm just petrified in general. For some reason, I'm kind of a magnet. So in the summertime, which I haven't been here in a while um, consistently, I usually would just come home for like three or four weeks and then leave again. But I missed it. And my parents are building a really cool community business in their retirement. And I just felt kind of guilty for missing out. And my oldest is transferred to UGA. That's only about 45 minutes down the road. And so I'm like, I'm missing too much of home. It's a season that I need to be back in Georgia the majority mm. of the time. So, but during the summer, I hop on a golf cart with mom in the middle of the afternoon and we literally go copperhead hunting. So she drives around. It runs two, um, two sides of the farm. And then we have five ponds and we just go out for fun and I shoot snakes. <laughs> you know, when you ask somebody what they like to do with their mom, copperhead hunting doesn't come up very often. Oh my That's God. great though. She's crazy. I came back home and she's like, I'm sick and tired of doing all the paperwork for the fall festival. I mean, the, the story of this property is funny within itself. And then when, if you ever met my parents, they're, they're not the ideal people that would even have this story. And she's like, well, all I wanted to do in retirement was to learn to drive a bobcat, but I can't pull a trailer. So I'm glad you're home. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So um, you were spending time up in Wisconsin. Was that for dog training, dog trials, things like that? Okay. So I got started in, let's see here, Mercy's born in 2014. So my oldest first short hair I got in... Um, been like the fall of 2014 and I had no idea what I was doing I was a cowgirl my oldest was showing horses we were just traveling all around living the barn life and a dear friend of mine who was a roper got into short hairs and they're beautiful and I just loved them and it was really cool what he was doing with them I just couldn't understand why he got out of roping because he was really successful to just do these dogs I'm like you just take your dog with you right like I, he changed his whole life and I never thought we would not own horses. So I get a dog. Lord have mercy. I did not know what I committed to. <laughs> and so I about went crazy and a group of us friends got dogs out of this litter. And the mom was like my favorite short haired ever met, blah, blah, blah. So we were all geeked up about it. I called them one day and I said, y'all better find me somebody to help me with this dog. Cause I can't do this. I'm ready to ship her off. I said, send me the best trainer. So they sent me Rick Hopkins. Who's over in West Georgia. He's as North as I am, but he's far West. And I have now learned that he's like the godfather of short hairs. 
And so I was like, he is my savior in this life. So I just dropped her off for four months. I got my life back in order. And I'm like, okay, I got to learn what I can do with her to keep her happy because I love her. And he was tournament hunting. So UFTA was, I mean, it wasn't really new in Georgia, but it was a very small circle and the organization wasn't near what it is now. So all the guys that are running this um, tournament hunting, which you guys are probably familiar with it, but a lot of people have no idea about tournament hunting. And essentially it's a, it's a game with you and your dog competing to bag birds in a timed field, averaging 10 to 15 acres and you're sequestered. So you don't see your plants and you have a judge. So it's the quickest amount of time you can bag the amount of birds necessary with the least amount of shells wins. And that's how I got introduced to bird hunting. I had, I had gone in a dove field when I was a teenager with him and they wouldn't even let me carry a gun. And I'm like, okay, this is so insulting. I've been raised <laughs> in the hunting world my whole life, but I loved the dogs and it just sparked something in me. So a few years later, I don't know, probably was like uh, 15 years later, I get this dog and all I've seen is them bird hunt and I've gone to watch. I'm like, I'm doing this. I had no idea that I had the the worst gun I could have had. I had zero knowledge of shooting a moving target. And I had a, a fruitcake crack baby of a short hair that was a two-year-old. Like, <laughs> I was the worst tournament hunter in the history of tournament hunting. And I loved it. I mean, I was like, I don't know if I'll ever figure this out, but I'm not a quitter, so I'm just going to have a good time. And if I lose everything, as long as I leave having fun, I don't care. And Taterbug was like two. So I'm here not really knowing these men. I'm the only female running in this circuit. And I've got a two-year-old there with a bucket of John Deere tractors <laughs> and her little Ducks Unlimited chair. And I'm like, okay. Whoever's not running in a field, here's my kid. I'll be back 15 minutes or less, right? <laughs> so that's kind of how it started. And I'm like, once a month, I just hung out with all these old guys that wrote the rules for the UFTA. And um, and I'm like, if I ever figure this out, I am going to make these dudes pay for all this, you know, the the all the, the teasing and everything when I first got started because my dog had no manners and she'd jump on the back of her feet to the line. And I mean, she was just horrible, but I didn't know what the standard was. I didn't, right. I just had no idea. So I just had good time. And, um, so that opened a door with ducks unlimited here. And <laughs> I mean, I, I'm probably like, the anti's worst nightmare because I get into <laughs> hunting for money and trophies. And <laughs> yeah, but uh, and, you did. But but to be fair, I think what you really got into it for was working with your dog. And that's what I think a lot of people enjoy about bird hunting in general is yeah, that, for that sure. dog work. But yeah, the trophies so, and money are nice, too. Oh, my God. I was like. <laughs> I just want to win a trophy sometime. Like, this is so cool. And these guys are got their belt buckle for being in the hall of fame. And I'm like, I just want to live this life. Like, this is so cool. And these guys with their rigs and their trucks and all this stuff. I just loved it. So ducks unlimited comes to me and they said, we want to bring in more women in our town. Now, of course I grew up here. So I like, it was a small town back then kind of had that feel you know, will you help us? And I was teaching women pistol basics and hosting deer hunts and turkey hunts. And I'm like, heck yeah, this will be fun. 
Well, they're like, okay, we'll host this five stand day. We've advertised it. We've got 25 ladies coming and we've got this private farm of the five stand like 10 minutes from my house. I'm like, this is a beautiful place. I can't believe I get this opportunity. Holy moly. I couldn't coach these women. I could keep everybody safe, but hitting a target was like not going to happen. Well, luckily, nobody there knew anything more than I did. So we just had a good time and everybody wanted to come back. I went back to the committee meeting. I said, y'all better help me find a coach. I almost outed myself as an epic failure. <laughs> you know, and I've taught all these ladies to shoot pistols. Everybody was feeling empowered. And then I'm like, this little clay target kicked my tail, you know? <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, so they found me my coach and that was in 2016. And then I have to say, the first time I picked up a shotgun in a lesson absolutely changed my life. And the gift that I got from Demas was uh, something that I, I mean, I'm, I'm still getting it. I still talk to my shooting coach every day because it turned out to be a mental management training and I just got the skills of shotgunning. So with, for my first lesson in April of 2016, 15 months later, I won state super sporting. I was the only female in my class. And he kind of sucked me out of the gun dog world, but I was driving around. <laughs> he was just as bad as me. He's got an L Hugh pointer on the clay course. So here we got my crackhead short hair in the back tied into the golf cart. He's got his <laughs> L Hugh short hair and we're shooting clays all over the state of Georgia. And it was hysterical and it was fun. And, and that experience was great. But once I got my feet under me and I understood what I was doing in the shotgun world and I'd started training people, I wanted to get back to the dogs. And so that's when I found myself in Wisconsin hosting a ladies hunt and a blizzard came. <laughs> and so then I was oh learning about force fetching, you know, on mm. the, the driveway full of ice. And, um, and they said, well, we have got a tournament coming up. Well, the funniest part about this is that I was like anti-lab. Oh boy. I don't know if we I, can keep I mean, talking. Like, oh, though no, this is, this is probably the highlight and, and the biggest story of all. Number one, the short hair culture is nothing short of a cult. Oh, yeah. And um, and that was the world I was in. And by then, I had three of them. And uh, I didn't understand the purpose of the lab because I was a quail hunter and I was a clay shooter. And, and at that time, nobody w was flushing with a lab down here. It was all cocker life and... I didn't, I didn't want a lab dog and blah, blah, blah. So me and my short hair mentality with all my short hair friends, well, that was the only <laughs> dog that, that anybody cared about. <laughs> and so I had always gone to my DU committees like, I don't understand why y'all want a lab. Like, it's kind of like a generic dog. Like, what do y'all oh do boy. with them? You know, and so- I'm fighting words. I'm fighting words there. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I end up in South Dakota. <laughs> And this was the, it was, was three weeks before my, was my first Wisconsin trip. And I hunt with the most gorgeous black labs and having to keep up with them and understand the whole flushing world. So the guy that was with me up in Huron, that's part of um, the ringneck festival. So they took me hunting on lab, like wild birds before the festival started. I was like, my dogs are not even getting out of the truck. They can't hold a candle to this. And and this whole thing just happened, you know? Like, you don't know until you know. Yeah. And I got into this world not knowing anything. So all I knew was the experience that I'd had in front of me. And um, 
<laughs> so I was like, oh, my God, I think I've just gone hashtag short hair snob to hashtag happy hypocrite. I got to have this. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, three weeks later, I was in Wisconsin and the blizzard came and the trainer there said, OK, if you want to run the dog that I've got that just won worlds in BDC, which was a bucket list thing here, I had bombed UFTA and that's just three quail in a small field. I got a, I got a bag five chucker in a bigger field. I don't know, like with a flusher, I've never even watched a flusher field. And so we practiced one day in like knee deep snow. Oh my God. That's, a, that's, <laughs> <laughs> you're running around in the cattails, the bird swings around in the wind and your feet don't move. And then your body's halfway turned around. I mean, it's just like a whole nother learning curve, right? That's the best time. I love how yeah. that's late season. That's the best time. <laughs> well, I took second. Hey, there you go. And I was like, okay, I don't care what I've said in the past. People can throw it in my face for the rest of my life. I'm getting one of these dogs. And so I ended up with a dog from their kennel. And um, I've just had the best time. And that kind of sparked me getting back into tournament hunting and living out that dream where I could put the skills. Like I had no skills when I started. I just had passion. And then I put the skills together. And that's why I learned to train was because it made me a better handler. Um, it is an addictive thing to have that reward when you oh, love yeah. dogs that much, you know. But yeah. it wasn't my calling. It could distract me from my calling. I love it so much. But, yeah, I don't. I didn't travel this year with a trailer full of dogs, and, and I kind of got spoiled. So I don't know if you could talk me back into 15 dogs in the Midwest dodging all the ice. You I, had 15 dogs? At one time, yeah. <laughs> well, if it wasn't mine, it was client dogs. So, oh, yeah, sure. I was hauling that many. Yeah. So, so did you, you're saying that you bought a lab then? Is that what you said? Yeah. Little. Okay. Come here. Oh, you got the lab with let's you. There you go. Let's prove her. You know, they're they're with us all the time. Oh, there she there is. A yellow even. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So how many dogs do you have right now then? I just have three um, I have my OG Mercy. She's she's still a crackhead. You know, you <laughs> you make all your mistakes with your first dog, but yeah. she started it all, and she'll always be the queen. Um, and then Taterbuck has her Dolly, which was her first dog she got when she was three. And then I have my Littles. How old is Mercy? Mercy's eight. Eight. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's fun. You know, I, I've got two labs, and when I got the second one, I was a little worried about getting a second one because sometimes, hi, Dan, sometimes, uh, <laughs> you know, they're a lot of work. Dogs can be a lot of work. I travel a lot. I'm like, man, do I want to get a second dog? I got a second dog. I got Tiny. She's awesome. And uh, is after one year with her, once she got done, uh, you know, pooping and peeing all over the place i was like all right i'm ready for a third dog i want to get another one now i just want to get dan lives with me here in the house he's just shaking his head like now we don't need more dogs around here but don't I think we do. talk about it yeah, i, think I we want do. one so bad yeah. it's yeah. not the time for me either but okay so have you done any testing with your dogs have you, you know ran? i'm I've never done really much of the hunt tests other than just some fun things here and there. We've done some TV shows at a few of the competitions. And then uh, Corey Loeffler, who I got tiny from, he's got all his dogs, uh, you know, 
titled and has done all the competitions, got all got all the uh, the awards and little initials in their names that, that you need to get. So he keeps he's talked to me about doing it, and I probably will eventually do it with Tiny. But uh, a lot of times I've been spending my summers the last few years up in Saskatchewan, so it's been usually during around that. Uh, that hunt test season, I've usually been pretty busy, but I think I probably will this summer a little bit. I love, I just love it. And I haven't personally been running tests because when a tater just, uh, she just turned nine in November. And when she got her first dog, you know, once again, I made a mistake and got her short hair at three. It was going to be a long time before she could ever be independent with her dog in the field. You know, I mean, I, I still can't turn her loose with her gun. I mean, once the dog goes on point, we're right there with her and, and that kind of thing. She's tackling tower shoots right now, but her dog's already like going to be six, you know? And so I'm like, man, you know, they've been a really cute pair and it's been fun watching them grow up, but she never is going to get to really enjoy everything that that dog was. So that's why another reason I was motivated to get into the retriever world, because it offered her independence now. Sure. So let me, and let so, me, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, so she, she did spend a summer when we were in Wisconsin um, running AKC and got her feet wet in it and did an amazing. And it was so cool to watch her finally, after she sat on the sidelines and watch her sister win all the time, she sat on the sidelines, she watched me win all the time. And she did it so graciously. And so now I'm like, okay, it's her season. We're back in Georgia. I'm going to get, I'll, I'll send um, Littles to get trained all summer. So she could be a great duck dog next year since I've discovered waterfowl. I really enjoy that too. And Oh, yeah. And then let Hallie Joe just run wild with her, which that's going to make me want another puppy. <laughs> well, it, and I, that's what happens. You get a lab, you start to get into waterfowl mm -hmm. hunting. And that's the beauty of the labs is they're just so versatile. But knowing what you know now after having pointers and flushers, if you were, if you were going to get another dog – which direction are you going to go? Because I, I pheasant hunt with my labs all the time. I probably pheasant hunt more than anything else, but I, mm. I, uh, I waterfall hunt. That's a pretty close mm. second too. But I pheasant hunt so much. There's times where I'm like, man, I, sh I really should have a pointer, but I just, I like labs too much to have, you know, I, I just don't think I'll ever go away from them, you know? So what would, if, if you were going to get another dog now, what would you do? I would get another retriever. And I'm really picky too about like the pointing labs. Like I'm like, if I'm going to get a pointing dog, I just want a pointer. Um, because the fact that I got started in this life and, and I'm just so grateful to even have a career. Like when I first started, I had no idea that you could have a career doing this. I had no yeah. idea that there was this massive outdoor industry. I just loved what I was doing. And I, was introduced to people to help me get to the next step of my own personal goals, which was winning in sporting clays or winning in the dog world. And so because of that, I got introduced to what opportunities are really out there. Um, and saying that, I think I'll always be attached to a short hair because of photos like that. You yeah. know, it's like, I don't see myself not having one, but I could have, 10 labs for the headache of two short. <laughs> they are high strung. <laughs> yeah. 
That's that's what you we had, had wire hair. You had wire hair. Listen, yeah. okay. what is wrong with him not even wanting a dog? Can <laughs> can we keep you around? I was getting judged, but now I'm wondering. <laughs> Uh, speaking of that picture, by the way, I think this is the first time I've seen you with a different kind of hat on, by the way. Oh, with a ball cap on? Well, yeah, right. Every once in a while, I'll just bum. <laughs> no, I look like this all the time. <laughs> yeah. You well, know, okay, so the hat came from my cowgirl life. Okay. And this is very funny. I wore a cowgirl hat all the time. And then when I got into shooting and I, and I signed up with CZ, like I became part of their crew and sponsored by them, blah, blah, blah. Traveling with Dave Miller. And he was like the demo king of the shotgun world, right? So we were at every event, setting up demos, getting all of their guns in the hands of everybody. And, and that's such a great entry level gun. You know, when people are like, I don't know what to get. I don't know. I guess it's probably like the best bang for your buck kind of thing. But he... I pulled up to one event that I actually drove to. I think it was the first time I drove and my straw hat was upside down on my dash. And he was like, you need to wear that. And I'm like, no, I had worked so hard to have like my sporting clay image. It was super sporty, you know, classy, all this stuff. And then I was like, Anna at home. Right. And he's like, no, you really need to wear that. I'm like, I don't know. So I did. And then the next thing I know, no, like everybody just looked for the girl in the hat. Oh, the girl in the hat told me about oh, this yeah. certain gun or whatever. And I was like, oh my God, I can walk around anywhere without my hat on. Nobody has any idea who I am. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was all Dave Miller's idea. And he saw it and I didn't even really know what was to come of it. But I had always worn a hat with, um, by, made by Trent with Greeley Hat Works. JC always showed in his hats and so when he made hats for the first season of Yellowstone, I messaged him and I was like, um, Beth wore this hat. I'm filming with Gundog TV and I got to have it. So, mm -hmm. you know, we got to get we got to get on this because it takes forever. He does everything old school is truly handmade. And sometimes you have a way to get a Greeley hat and it's worth it. But I didn't have the time. And um, out of that spun me helping him design an outdoor hat line and so it oh, all really? came because yeah oh, yeah cool. so there's the gauge line with Greeley hat works and it's all inspired by places i've been oh um, that's really yeah cool. i've huh. never really told that story before i guess i, I need to but yeah, yeah. that's well, what they're go. all about you heard about it here first ladies and gentlemen Sporting that's Radio. the sand hills right there that cool. is I see that hat and all I can think of are the ma massive blisters that I got in Nebraska. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not sure that's how you sell hats. When you get I this, know, you'll but, think of the blisters. But I thought, you know, I saw that hat and the color of it and just being in the same yeah. hills of, of Nebraska and running that tournament with um, a bunch of the guys from Quail Forever Pheasants Forever. That was that was just a blast. It was my first time hunting in Nebraska, so that was that's where that hat came from. Well, we are out of time today, unfortunately, but we're going to talk more with Anna V next week here on the show, and we'll have an extended version of today's discussion with Anna on the podcast, which you can download on any podcast platform or on demand at SportingJournalRadio.com. And don't forget, you can watch extended versions of this show every week at Sport at the Sporting Journal Radio YouTube channel. So that's all for now. We'll see you next week. Sporting Journal Radio is a division of Macaba LLC. 
If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to SportingJournalRadio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to SportingJournalRadio.com.